Kellington's Delta Serenade getting us started, as it does every week on At the Jazz Band Ball. Hello there, I'm Kevin McLaughlin. This is a podcast devoted to jazz from the early part of the 20th century. Today we'll be spending some time with two of early jazz's most influential figures, W.C. Handy and Clarence Williams, who you may not know. On a recent show, we played some jazz guitar from the 20s on, and it turned out that many of my choices were blues guitarists, people like Big Bill Brunzi and Lonnie Johnson. Well, it seemed like nearly all of them either started out playing the blues or took permanent inspiration from the blues. So I thought it might be fun to do a show about the blues and its relationship to early jazz. And after our show about jazz guitar, someone asked me what the difference was between blues and jazz. And I might have said, well, about $25 a gig, but I didn't. We might think of jazz, like Bill Brunzi said, as cleaned up or more harmonically sophisticated than the blues. Jazz has a lot to thank the blues for, and there is much in jazz that is based on the blues. On the first half of the show today, we're going to listen to the music of W.C. Handy, the self-described father of the blues, and the one who would most certainly vouch for the influence of the blues. And then Clarence Williams, who you may not have heard of, was also a composer and a musician, piano player who recorded early blues sessions with Bessie Smith, Louis Armstrong, and others. His biggest contribution was as a promoter of jazz through his publishing and recording activities. So W.C. Handy and Clarence Williams today on At the Jazz Band Ball, two of the major blues influences on jazz. Some good music today. Hope you'll stick around.
That was St. Louis Blues, sung for us by the great Empress of the Blues, Bessie Smith, with Louis Armstrong adding commentary on his cornet, recorded in 1925. This week we're going to listen to the music of two early jazz contributors, W.C. Handy and Clarence Williams, who was a publisher, composer, pianist, and impresario in these earliest days of jazz. Though he liked to refer to himself as the father of the blues, was the title of his autobiography, W.C. Handy did not create the blues genre, but was the first to publish music in the blues form, taking the blues from a regional music style with a limited audience to a new level of popularity. Well, I thought it would be interesting to start out with an early example of a blues by W.C. Handy. Um, this is Memphis Blues, as recorded by the Victor Military Band in 1914. So a very early recording, and forgive some of the quality of the, of the surface noise. Uh, and then we're going to follow that with a recording of the Fletcher Henderson Band playing the same tune, uh, but 20 years later. And I think you'll hear a lot of, a lot of differences. So here's the Memphis Blues of W.C. Handy, 1914. Thank you. 
We started with the 1914 recording with the military band, the Victor Military Band of Memphis Blues, and that would have been the version that W.C. Handy was most familiar with, and probably what he had in mind uh, when writing the tune. And then we followed that with Fletcher Henderson's version from 20 years later. This early blues version, by the way, is the same chord structure, so the same blues format, uh, and some of the same melody notes that you'd hear in a blues, the flatted thirds and fifths and sevenths. So the basic foundation is the same to both, but then what changes is, of course, the approach to rhythm. Rhythm and instrumentation, one is a military band, and then the second one is a, a jazz band. Well, W.C. Handy, William Christopher Handy, was born in 1873 in Florence, Alabama. Handy sought out music at a young age in spite of his family's wishes and learned to play several instruments, including the organ, piano, and even bought a guitar at one point, but was made to return it when his parents found out. And later, he became a particularly skilled cornetist and trumpet player. Longing to experience the world beyond Florence, Handy left his hometown in 1892 and traveled throughout the Midwest, taking a variety of jobs with several musical groups. He also worked as a music teacher for a while, but didn't like it much. Politics and the oversight of his teaching got in the way. He conducted his own orchestra in the Mississippi Delta from about 1903 to 1921, and Handy became steeped in the music of this region. He began to arrange some of the tunes he heard for his own band's performances. I mentioned that Handy learned to play organ when he was young. Well, next, we have a recording of Beale Street Blues played on the organ by Fats Waller. And on the same track, you'll hear blues singer Alberta Hunter take a chorus. This is Handy's affectionate look back on a rowdier Beale Street in Memphis before Prohibition. Mm-hmm. 
Street Blues, W.C. Handy's composition. Fats Waller played the pipe organ, and blues singer Alberta Hunter gave us a chorus. Beale Street Blues was written in 1916 by Handy as a kind of farewell to pre-prohibition Beale Street of Memphis, actually called Beale Avenue at the time, until the popularity of the song forced a name change. It was a farewell to the free flow of alcohol, rough living, and the type of music that W.C. Handy heard. Of course, the blues outlived Prohibition in Memphis and everywhere else, partly thanks to the music of W.C. Handy. Here's a latter-day version of Beale Street Blues, played for us in 1954 by Louis Armstrong and his All-Stars. See pretty browns in beautiful gowns. You see tailor maids and hand me downs. You meet honest men and pickpocket skill. You'll find that business never closes till somebody gets killed. If Bill Street could talk. If Beale Street could talk, married men would have to take their beds in war. Except one or two who never drink booze. And the blind man on the corner who sings the Beale Street blues, he said, I'd rather be here than any place I know. Yes, I'd rather be here 
than any place I know. It's gonna take the sergeant for to make me go. I'm going to the river, maybe by and by. Yes, I'm going to the river And there's a reason why Because the river's wet And feels sweet down, down We heard Beale Street Blues, Louis Armstrong and his All-Stars from 1954. We heard there Louis Armstrong trumpet, Barney Bigard clarinet, Trumpy Young trombone, Billy Kyle on piano, Orville Shaw bass, Barrett Deems drums. Well, here's a treat. 
This is W.C. Handy being interviewed during the 1954 Armstrong recording session. He would have been about 84, and it would have been four years before his death in 1958. He talks about his music and about uh, Louis Armstrong, and afterwards we'll hear W.C. Handy's take on careless love. This is Louis Armstrong and his all-stars with Velma Middleton vocals. I like naturalness, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's the thing I liked about Louis. If he likes a thing, he's just going to put himself into it. Mm-hmm. What was your first encounter with Louis? I heard him when uh, he used to run on the steamboat from uh, New Orleans to St. Louis. That would probably be the SS capital, I suppose. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's when the blues were new. There's always some motivating force that directs my attention to composing some particular number. And one day at noon, I heard a minister speaking to a crowd on Broadway, and he was chiding them for adulterating goods and merchandise and food. And they're adulterating everything. And I said, they're adulterating love, even. Mm-hmm. Because I'd want to write this little thing that Louis did, Careless Love, as we used to play that down in Alabama. Yes, indeed. I went back to the office, caught a train to Chicago, mm-hmm. where Louis played with the Erskine Tate's Orchestra. Vendome Theater. Vendome. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and wrote loveless love, and mm-hmm. used the terms that people were using then in the days of milkless milk and silk to silk, mm-hmm. uh, orchestrated it and carried it into Tate. Tate played it, and I sent it off and had it printed and printed these words, the loveless love that Louis sang. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I did loveless love and Aunt Hager's blues, and Louis used to draw large crowds every night singing just whatever number that he wanted to sing. Mm-hmm. But I had some very pleasant experiences with him in Chicago at the, the Vendome Theater. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that at that time the public realized what a great artist Louis was? They came that year, him play and sing. Mm-hmm. They realized that it was something different. Mm-hmm. But they went to hear Louis sing. And I don't mind telling you, there was something in that voice that they appreciated, Mm. the pride of race. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the feeling about Louis in the Vendome Theater when I went there so much. The 1954 interview with W.C. Handy at the age of 84 it corresponded to a recording session that Louis Armstrong did of the music of W.C. Handy. Well, today on At the Jazz Band Ball, we're listening to the music of W.C. Handy and Clarence Williams, who had such influence on jazz as it related to the blues. And next, we're going to turn to the music of Clarence Williams. Clarence Williams was born in Plaquemine, Louisiana in 1893. 
as a composer, publisher, song plugger, accompanist, band leader, and supervisor of recorded sessions, Clarence Williams dominated the blues industry in the 1920s. Williams was a good businessman, probably better than his rivals like W.C. Handy. But every Williams hit comes with a question mark. Did he or Spencer Williams or Fats Waller or James P. Johnson or someone else not mentioned write the music? Williams appears as composer or co-composer on hundreds of tunes in his own catalog. Some of these, by Williams' own admission, were written by other composers. Williams bought all the rights and then represented them as his own. This was a common practice in the music publishing business at the time. Here's an early example of Clarence Williams' work. It's a blues written in 1922 and recorded by Clarence Williams in 1923 with Bessie Smith. It's called Ain't Nobody's Business If I Do. Thank you. 
Ain't Nobody's Business If I Do, first published by Clarence Williams in 1922, Bessie Smith in an early recording from 1923. We were talking before about the differences between blues and jazz, and one of the main differences is the chord structure of blues is pretty standardized. It's usually a fairly standard set of 12 bars. And whereas jazz can be more varied and more complex. Well, jazz and blues musicians were very good at improvising uh, based on these standard set of chords. And Clarence Williams was very good at writing down what jazz musicians would play. If you had a number that you wanted uh, to be published, you'd go to Clarence and he'd, he'd write it down for you. He could write very fast, as fast as you could play. Uh, and after he'd written it down, he'd arrange it and then send it to have it copyrighted and published. Well, Clarence always managed to cut himself in on the number. So when a number was published, it would have four or five names attached and Clarence would get as much of the royalties as anyone else. Uh, his name would be often at the top, um, and the person who actually wrote it would be three or four places down the line. Among Clarence Williams' own compositions was Shout, Sister Shout, 1929. And it was recorded by him and also covered by the Boswell sisters and many others. Here's Clarence Williams' Shout, Sister Shout. <laughs> Get the devil, get the devil off your heels.
count your souls there free. Lift your voice and sing with me. Shout, Sister, Shout from 1931. It was Clarence Williams's own music, though with Clarence it's always hard to tell. There was the Boswell Sisters, of course, with a pretty interesting backup band, Manny Klein and Jack Purvis, trumpet Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey playing when they were getting along, uh, Joe Venuti violin, Eddie Lang, guitar, uh, before that, we heard Clarence Williams singing and leading his group, his Jazz Kings, Shout, Sister, Shout, 1931. It's at the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. Today, we've been spending time with two major contributors to the beginnings of blues and jazz. In the first half hour, we uh, heard the music of the self-described father of the blues, W.C. Handy. And now we're spending some time with Clarence Williams. 
As we've said, Clarence Williams' real talent and reputation lay in his ability to promote other artists. He was not a great composer or performer himself, but he was good at getting the Sidney Bechets and Louis Armstrongs into the recording studio and publishing their music. According to David Jason and Gene Jones's excellent book, Spreadin' Rhythm Around, both the unknowns and masters alike all struck their bargain with Clarence Williams for the same reason. He would publish or record their music and then promote them every way to Sunday. Beginning in the early 20s, Clarence Williams supervised African-American recordings for the New York offices of the OK Phonograph Company. This label issued a series of race recordings, 78 RPM phonograph records marketed to African-Americans between the 1920s and the 40s. And they presented various African-American musical genres, including blues and jazz and gospel music. Next, we're going to hear one of these early OK records. This is Mamie Smith singing Crazy Blues from 1920. Thank you. 
Crazy Blues, performed there by Mamie Smith and her jazz hounds, recorded at OK Records, where Clarence Williams later produced so many blues and jazz records. going to do it for us this week. I hope you enjoyed our look at two of the great progenitors of blues in jazz, W.C. Handy and Clarence Williams. If you're enjoying these podcasts, uh, let me know. Drop me a line at kevin at at thejazzbandball.com. You can subscribe on our Substack, which is kevinmclaughlin.substack.com. We have a new platform, uh, odyssey.com, in addition to Apple and Spotify. And you can reach my Patreon to uh, donate to the show, which would be great. Patreon.com forward slash at the jazz band ball. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.